This is Saving Grace, Living in the Light of God's Love, a broadcast ministry of Grace Center for Spiritual Development and Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world, committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. And now, our program. Hello, I'm Carmen Pate, and I'm your host for today's program. You know, Psalms 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Well, we all know that we need God's grace for building a home that is filled with grace and with love. Today's topic, Parenting with Grace, is going to uh, ring a bell with any parent listening because we know that that is a daunting task. Our subject comes from a book titled Living by Grace with insights from ministry leaders well-trained in the scriptures and by life experiences. We're so pleased to have as our guest today, Pastor Phil Congdon. Phil has pastored church plants in Kansas and Texas and has served as pastor of New Braunfels Bible Church for the last 17 years. He taught Bible and theology at Adelaide College of Ministries and taught at Word of Life Bible Institute, both in Australia. Phil also was an adjunct instructor in worldviews at Judson University in Illinois. He and his wife, Jen, have eight children, so I can tell you they are going to be able to provide a lot of information about parenting. So we are so happy to have Phil with us today to bring insight on our topic, Parenting by Grace. Thank you so much, Phil, for joining us here. I'm happy to be with you, Carmen. Well, you know, parenting, as we all know, it brings such great reward and blessing and joy. But Phil, if we're honest, we also know that it brings challenges and heartache from time to time. And you know, I think today we might think that it is much more difficult to be a parent today than ever before in history. But you remind us that parenting heartache actually goes back to the Garden of Eden. Can you give us a little bit of insight about parenting through the Old Testament days? Oh yeah, Carmen, that is uh, so true. Uh, we, I think that we all think that sometimes uh, we've almost invented sin in our day. And certainly um, uh, it is appropriate for us to understand that there are sinful uh, issues that, that come up with parents and kids today. TV, movies, drugs, uh, various issues that there are. But what is fascinating, years ago I taught through Genesis, and just going through Genesis, a startling awareness of how difficult and challenging parenting has been. Mm. We, we start with Adam and Eve, of course, and they began in perfection. Uh, they were brought together, the only married couple who experienced perfection uh, and then they have the, their first two children and the first commits murder against yes. the second and uh, I don't know many parents that have experienced anything like that mm-hmm. and yet that's right out of the gate yes. that's right out of the Garden of Eden and then as, as you study through Genesis it's really fascinating to study after uh, after God has grieved over even creating the world because of how sinful it was mm-hmm. in Genesis 5, and he puts it through the rinse cycle of the flood in uh, Genesis 6 uh, through 9. And then, and then 
you think, all right, things are going to start getting on track. But uh, Abraham, he struggled as a, a parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isaac, goodness, uh, if you know the stories of the patriarchs, you know it isn't a pristine story. Yes. And as you go through the Old Testament, uh, Jacob, uh, Eli, Samuel, um, David, uh, you find out that parenting isn't easy, and it's not easy simply because we live in a sinful, fallen world. Absolutely. We certainly do. And uh, it's, it, it is eye-opening to go back and to recognize that this has been an issue all throughout history. And God's grace has always been available throughout history and, and, and is so today. And we need it more than ever. Well, you know, uh, if we are to look into a home where grace is modeled, and that's what we want to see because we know it starts with mom and dad, what their relation looks like, relationship looks like in regard to grace. Uh, describe what what a husband is looking to receive and also the woman in the home to begin that relationship that models grace to their children. Well, uh, I'm, I don't want to suggest that every husband or wife will be the same. They won't. But uh, certainly a, a husband, is, if he is going to be a, a loving leader, protector, guider, his dependence on God is going to need to be uh, the foundation of the family. Uh, and then a wife to be a supportive, um, submissive, caring, uh, strong wife who can, um, uh, who can provide uh, a backup for that strength that is needed. Um, I was really blessed with that kind of a family growing up. I'm not saying my parents were perfect. Uh, no parent is perfect. But uh, just having an awareness of God's provision, that's something I'll, I will come back to often, that if you have a dad and a mom who are thankful to God for what he has given to them, mm. uh, not looking for what can I get that's better, but thankful for what God has given to me. Yes, uh, yes. Perhaps as Paul said, I've learned in whatever state I am to be content mm-hmm. and in everything to give thanks. That eliminates that entitlement mentality, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, and it's going to be something important because uh, we're living in a day. It's been entitled, called an entitlement culture mm-hmm. that we live in, and it isn't just kids. Uh, mm-hmm. I find that there are a lot of young people today who are awakening to the fallacy of that entitlement culture. Yes. And uh, I just pray for the parents to mm-hmm. be able to join them in that. Absolutely. You mentioned in this chapter that you wrote in Living by Grace on parenting that there are some vital truths that God teaches us to pass along to uh, our children to help create that environment of thanksgiving in the home. What are those, those vital truths? Well, I have mentioned, for example, that everything we have comes from God. Yes, uh, yes. You know, this, this is uh, you know, something um, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, uh, a very entitled 
church. Mm-hmm. They really felt like they were, uh, God was lucky to have them mm. on his team, kind of a thing. And Paul wrote them, uh, you know, what do you have that you did not receive? Yes. Uh, and if you received it, then why do you act like it's something that you got? And I, I think if we start with that, if we start with an awareness, I know that that Carmen, we have an understanding that salvation is by grace. It is a free yes. gift. It is given, and it's not anything we deserve. But sometimes I think after we get out of the theological realm and we get into daily life, we say, well, God, why did you give me that? I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. And, and why am I going through this? And, and it is difficult. Uh, I understand this. To, for a, say a, a wife whose husband runs off or uh, and it's equal opportunity it could be a spouse it could mm-hmm. be any number of things and in my life uh, there are a number of tragic experiences that I've gone through and one of the, the things to learn is that uh, a faith in God is not a faith in a God who gives me everything that I think is best for me, mm-hmm. but a faith in a sovereign God who actually knows better than I know yes. what is best for me. That's hard. Mm-hmm. That is not an easy lesson to learn. Mm, but so important to learn, my goodness, because we won't get everything that we think we want in life, but we certainly will get what we need because he is a gracious, gracious God. Well, you know, sadly, Phil, our culture seems to warp the ch- our children's minds regarding their identity and their value and their purpose in life. Uh, but if parents have a warped view of God in their own identity, uh, how is that going to be manifested in the home? What are we going to see when parents have a warped view of God? Well, uh, I think uh, a self-sufficiency is what I would start with. Mm. Uh, if, and this is American, isn't it? Yes. Um, I, I think I was sort of taught growing up, you know, we Americans, we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you go through life, a maturing understanding is that, uh, yes, while I have responsibility, my utter self-sufficiency opposed to dependency on God can be destructive. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just... Uh, I think that if uh, if we view ourselves as as being that indestructible thing, that God is there to do my will, that perhaps as uh, the famous, uh, there was a poem, Invictus, um, by uh, William Henley, I am the master of my fate, mm-hmm. I am the captain of my soul, that we're going to lose sight, I think, of our dependency our utter dependency on God, if you as a parent can pass on to your kids, and it starts even with something as small as just saying, kids, we're going to stop before we eat, and we're going to say thank you to the Lord for this food. Mm -hmm. Now, you do that, and you actually communicate to kids, uh, you know, we are dependent on God. Mm -hmm. And teaching kids that is a priceless lesson because they're not going to get that 
yes. in popular culture. Yes, yes, yes. And then I think also uh, if parents, <clears throat> excuse me, have a warped view of God, that God is just out to get you, out to discipline, all the, out to... Uh, you know, punish you for any mistake made, they would probably mirror that to their children as well, wouldn't they? I, I do think so. Uh, today we, we live in a, uh, it's interesting, the ebb and flow of, of culture. But I think we live today in a, in a day when there isn't a respect for human life. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that uh, abortion is obviously the tip of the, the, the iceberg here. There's a lot that goes on that's beyond that. But if we, if we have a value of life and a thanksgiving to God for life, I think grace flows from that. Mm. That even if, I, I don't believe that this means license. And that's the problem we have today where a lot of times parents just think that you don't want to, you don't want to uh, in any way hinder little Johnny in doing whatever he wants to do. But mm-hmm. I think giving them the truth, this is a, a second thing, but giving them a truth of God's word, exposing them to that in a context of grace, when things get difficult, and they will, and as the years pass, uh, trials will come, that's, uh, that's when the seeds planted early on will mm-hmm. bear their fruit. Mm. Yes, yes. Oh, I agree totally. You know, the, the world um, influences how our children think, and then as they become teens and adults, their biblical faith is challenged. I mean, they oftentimes are mocked and even silenced when possible. So how do we train and encourage our children to hold fast to their faith, particularly as they become teenagers, uh, and also to encourage them to to sp- stand up for truth, but to also show grace in doing so? Uh, well, I, I'll tell you what, you're exactly right. I remember James Dobson years ago, and brother, uh, I, I can only imagine uh, how he would phrase this now, but he talked about how culture used to actually help parents raise children, and that uh, popular culture had depictions of dads and moms. Uh, this would be going back quite a few years, sure. obviously. But nowadays, uh, it uh, culture is actually fighting against the family and the home, and especially a Christian worldview. And so, let's say that somebody listening to you uh, today is, is thinking, "Well, I'm I've got a Christian home. Um, how can I somehow give a, a strength, a residual strength?" to my children, Mm -hmm. and here's the the single answer that I believe is the greatest answer. That is assurance of salvation. There are too many, uh, and here I I will even mention churches and religious organizations, Christians who are doubting their salvation. And that that is a terrible weakening force causing young people who are not even sure if God loves them Mm. because they have gotten some bad theology. So if, uh, for me, with my eight children, uh, they have each trusted Christ, 
and they are not perfect. Uh, if they are listening to this, I'm sorry, kids, they're not perfect. None of them are. But you know what? Because of their faith in Jesus Christ, I have assured them, I have granted them, I have uh, strengthened the assurance of their salvation, that they are a member of God's family. And when Satan comes, you remember in Revelation 12, he is called the accuser of the brethren. Yes, yes. What he does is he comes to us, and when we're weak or we're feeling down or depressed or uh, just away from the Lord, that's when he pounces. You know, like Peter said, a lion uh, who wants to tear us apart. The lion will go for the weak, and that is when Satan pounces. So I say to parents, give your kids the assurance of salvation through their faith in Jesus Christ. They are a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ, and therefore it's not all up to you. They're God's child. Mm. Uh, assurance, I, I can't say that enough. Oh, I, I agree totally. And I think for myself, I was a prodigal for a number of years, Phil, and it was because I lacked assurance. I was a believer. I, I came to know Jesus when I was 12 years old, but I did not understand my assurance in Christ and was in a legalistic, um, had more legalistic teaching and, and felt I could not be the Christian that I needed to be. And so I, I turned from it. And, and Phil, I, I hear more and more from parents who are grieving over prodigal children. It seems today that the enemy is certainly targeting our kids. And many uh, have turned totally away from God and are re- rebelling against the authority of, of their parents and any or authority in the community. Do you have any counsel or hope that you can offer these grieving parents today who are so longing for their prodigals to come home? Yeah, well, I think that uh, Ruth Bell Graham's wonderful book, Prodigals and Those Who Love Them, is a, is a great uh, way for some parents who may be grieving. Mm, uh, yes, and I, yes. I talk with a lot of parents who are grieving uh, today. Um, yeah, so much of, of this. <clears throat> I'm going to uh, just say two things very specific. First of all, uh, don't do Satan's work for him. Mm. That is, do not beat yourself up for mistakes you've made or failures. Or let, let's say that you were not even a Christian and you raised your children and, and now you've come to trust Christ and you're agonizing because they are not following you in that. Mm. You know, I mean, I thank God for his forgiveness. And yeah. that isn't just one time when I was happened to be, I was five years old when my mother led me to the Lord. So, uh, you know, I'm up now on 60 years since I was born again. Mm-hmm. And yet I still thank God for his forgiveness for my foibles and my errors. So don't do Satan's work. Again, I believe Satan, like dropping a rock in a pond and the ripples go out, that rock might be something that is bad. Say that Mm -hmm. a a child has wandered away from the Lord into a sinful lifestyle. That's Satan's victory. His goal is to get those ripples 
to mess up others' lives. Mm. And then the second thing I'll say, I'm sorry, I'm waxing too eloquent here, but yeah. the second thing is just pray. Mm. You know, God is a almighty, omnipotent God. Mm-hmm. Trust in your loving God. He loves your kids mm-hmm. more than you do. And when you have the opportunity, model that trust. Um, that doesn't mean that you ignore the truth that maybe they're in a sinful lifestyle, yes. but that doesn't stop you loving them. Oh, absolutely. And to be able to communicate that love, any opportunity that you have uh, is so critical. And, you know, I Dave Anderson encouraged my heart uh regarding a, a friend who has a prodigal and he said you know if they are a believer then they have the seed they have the holy spirit living in them and so uh there is always hope right. mm-hmm. praise the lord for that absolutely you know much of the heartache that we face as parents comes from the fact that we live in a fallen world and the effects of sin cause uh, sickness and death you shared a personal story that i thought was uh, just so on point that really reveals how god's grace is sufficient when we have taken time to nurture our faith in his grace beforehand share your story if you will phil when I was a teenager, uh, I came from a large family, uh, and uh, I had—I uh, was an introvert, uh, kind of, uh, and I had a younger brother, very young. I, I was actually about 14 or 15, and he was just a year and a half old. But I used to come home from school every day. I loved spending time with little Dougie. Mm. And... Uh, one uh, night, uh, he was severely burned in scalding water, mm. and uh, I happened to be uh, with my father at a church service that night, and when I came home, Dougie was gone, and he never came home from the hospital. Uh, and it was... Um, that was a tragic time in my life. Oh, of course it was. It was, years, it was uh, some years later, I was in seminary, and a fellow student who had uh, been in Bible college when that happened. My father taught Bible college, and for the two weeks that my little brother hovered between life and death, the entire Bible college had been praying around the clock. They mm-hmm. had people praying for Dougie for him to get well. Mm-hmm. And on a Sunday night, he died, and on Monday morning, uh, that person told me, and this would have been at least 10 years later, he told me, he said, you know, it was interesting. Uh, I got up and went to breakfast that morning, and they announced that Dr. Congdon's son had died. And I had your father for an eight o'clock class that morning. Mm-hmm. He said, we talked to each other and we thought, well, he'll probably not be coming today, but we went to class anyway, just in case. And he said, at eight o'clock sharp, your dad walked through the door. He said, you could hear a pin drop. Mm-hmm. And then he said, your dad went to the podium and paused and collected himself and said, it is at times like these that you realize the sufficiency of God's grace. Mm. And he taught us. And I thought to myself, you know, my father 
had cultivated an absolute faith in God. I don't know the agony he felt on that day, but that really spoke volumes to me about his faith, and there's a strength that comes because of the grace of God, and that's Mm. what he had. Wow, it is just a, a beautiful story. And it really prompted me to think, uh, of course, I'm a grandmother now, but uh, but it prompted me to think, again, how important it is for parents to uh, pray over their children and, you know, in cultivating that faith so that when trials come, because they will feel, to be prepared for them. Well, uh, yeah, if there's one thing that my parents did do, um, they had devotions. And I think that if parents will do that, this is going to be a tough thing because there are so many distractions. But sit down with your kids, read God's Word, pray with them. Uh, You are cultivating uh, a faith in God that will be strong when the storms of life come. Mm, Because they definitely will come, that is for sure. Uh, There are parents who look back at their own lives and they see the scars of sexual abuse or premarital sex or alcohol and drugs or whatever it might be, and they feel that they are damaged goods in this relationship with their children and feel they have nothing to offer. Talk a moment about God's transforming grace for those who have failed, because we all have failed. Absolutely. We're all damaged goods. Who was it? Was it Patsy Claremont who said God uses cracked pot? Oh, yes. Uh, And I, I just think the wonder of God's grace is that God alone makes beauty for our ashes. Mm. That is, he is capable of doing that with any life. Mm -hmm. God's love uh, gives hope and meaning and purpose to every life. Look at look at lives of of Jesus' great grandmas as yes. they're called. Like yes. Hagar or Rahab or Tamar or Ruth. <laughs> and you you say, Oh, those women, the difficulties they had and they did. They had tragedy in their lives. They struggled and yet as you look at uh, some of these cases and I think of this today because of so many women who may feel like uh, their lives have been cheapened and they don't really have value. Yes. And I, I want you to know that God is the one, through His grace, uh, is the one who gives that value back to life. Mm, he truly does. Well, Phil Congan, I wish we had hours because there's so much more we could talk about on this topic. Maybe we'll uh, have you back and and explore this further. But thank you for taking time to join us today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Carmen. Thank you. Well, we hope today's topic has stirred your interest to get into God's Word and learn more about living by grace. We also encourage you to get a copy of the book by that title, which you can find along with many other resources at gsot.edu. That's gsot.edu. So glad you tuned in today. Please tell others about saving grace. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You've been listening to Saving Grace. For more information about Grace Center for Spiritual Development or this program, 
visit our website at gsot.edu slash center or download the Grace app through your smartphone. Views expressed on this program may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.